now we're going to switch directions. <laughs> With intimacy in mind and his heart for love in mind throughout this whole message, I want, I'm not going to directly talk about intimacy, but I want you to carry that in your heart through this. That makes sense. And tonight, I'm honestly, I, I think this is going to be a reminder for most because we do go to the greatest church on earth, and thanks to pastors, we have covered every, I think every single topic <laughs> that any minister could ever cover multiple times. Thank God for fresh revelation, but thank God also that they are continuing to pour into us the important principles and teachings. And you know, Jesus the other day actually said to me, because I was struggling with what he wanted to say tonight, to be honest, for a while. And he said, I told the same story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for a reason. <laughs> they didn't get it the first time. Reader, he knew readers would not get it the first time. They had to hear it four times, maybe. And sometimes, we talk about this in internship, right, guys? Unless you are actually doing the messages you are hearing, you don't fully know them yet. That one gets me all the time, because, boy... Mark chapter 4, you can say, I've heard that a million times, but are you actually living it out? Then you need to hear it more. Yeah. We all need to hear it more. So like I said, I was, I was asking God, okay, what do you want me to talk about? I was given no topic, <laughs> so I really had to get creative. And, and he, he led me to one thing up until this past weekend. But previous to that, there was one, one thing he brought to my attention. And that was, I came across a, a dentist who had recalled a story of dentistry, the history of dentistry back years and years ago, okay? Dentistry years ago was considered a conspiracy. Dentistry years ago, they were, dentists were actually considered money-hungry quacks that they would think that a dental checkup would be necessary every six months surely was just to get money. Because why would they have to check a little kid's teeth? There's no degeneration in a little kid's teeth. And their whole profession was ridiculed for wanting, so little teeth, little bones, wanting to work to prevent degeneration at an early age and with frequent checkups. Now, the perspective of dentistry has completely flipped, where if you don't get your teeth checked every six months, you're considered gross. <laughs> Somehow, the dentists of that day pushed through the ridicule, the shaming, the names, that they were being called because they had a revelation of something that society did not have yet. And they pushed through until society understood. So I asked, the Lord said to me, I want you to dig into what it was that brought those dentists from that place of ridicule, pushing through that ridicule to a place of breakthrough in their profession and it was it's a little close to my heart because it doesn't take a scientist to know that chiropractors can be called money hungry quacks as well <laughs> especially when we want to do spinal checkups to prevent degeneration so it was a 
it was close to my heart that the Lord was having me go after this, but I really believe that not only does it apply to my profession, but the things that he's calling you to, think about it. Think about it. For a lot of us, it's like breaking through this societal perception that is, you know, that can't, if they want money, (laughs) they must be quacks. They must be money hungry. What was it, though, that got them through that time frame and that, that period? So that's all I had last week. And I'm like, I don't know. I, 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 you know, they kept the truth before their eyes, whatever. I'm getting, like, some stuff that we hear all the time. I'm like, I know that there's more God, but I wasn't getting it. So then um, let me backtrack. Months ago, Caleb and I were in Nashville, and we had the privilege to meet with uh, the founder of a new nutritious bar, like a protein bar. And he was creating these bars, and the company I work for is working in collaboration with him to help create a bar for our company. And we met with this guy named Dave, and he was a Christian. I knew that before we went into this meeting with him. And it turns out that he was not only a Christian, but a spirit-filled Christian. He goes on to tell us the story, and you guys may remember this. I told you all when I got back, because it, it rocked my world. He literally birthed this bar, this nutritious bar, in tongues. He tells the story, eh, Caleb? He tells the story that he had, the Lord told him to create a nutritious bar that all of these bars on the market were full of sugar and, or, or, or artificial sweeteners and, and were no, no good for nu- providing nutrition to the body. They were actually stealing from the body. So he felt called from God to create a bar. He was a golfer. He primarily wanted to create a nutritious bar for golfers. And he had no background in food manufacturing and no background, he had no chef background, food background, any kind of background. So he went into his kitchen and prayed in tongues. It was a five-year process. And he relayed this story to us, and um, now the bars, and I meant to bring one to show you guys, but now the bars are in Whole Foods and Kroger's across all the South. On the bottom of the bar, their tagline is, because you are a masterpiece, which is straight out of Psalms. So these bars were birthed in tongues and being consumed by people that don't even know that they're filled with the Spirit. So fast forward to this weekend, I, my boss calls me, um, I'm in Nashville working, my boss calls me and said, Julia, there's this, you got to go pick up this info pack at the bar guy's place. And I was like an hour away, and you know me with directions. We talked about that last time in Nashville. So we make our way down to the bar guy's place. We're on a time crunch. We've got to get our booth set up back at the conference. I'm thinking I'm going to go in there, grab the info pack, and leave. Well, the Dave was there, um, the guy that we had dinner with at one time, and he welcomed us in. He gave us a tour of the place. I got to see all of these like super cool things. For a science nerd, it was awesome. Um, and here, here's where it ties into our message tonight. He pulled us into his office and uh, sat us down. He retold a couple of the stories, which were just as good the second time. And he pulls us into his office, and, I, and I, I'm, he's telling these stories. I'm like, what was it? I wasn't even thinking about the dentistry thing that the Lord brought up to me. I said, what was it that that carried you 
through that time of not knowing anything about the industry God was calling you into to actually standing here today with buckets full of bars on their way to Kroger. And he said, he pulled and reached back and he grabbed a book, which I don't know if it was a Christian book or not, but he, he grabbed a book and he said, in this book, it taught me how to follow, stay with me here, how to follow resistance, embrace resistance rather than run away from it. Embrace resistance. Instead of fighting the things that come against you, use them to your advantage. And furthermore, use them as a guide that you're probably on the right track. If it meant nothing to you, you wouldn't experience any resistance in that area. And now just to clarify, when I say that, I'm not talking about a lack of peace. That's completely different. A lack of peace is that uh, on the inside, confirmed by mentors, you know that's not the direction you're supposed to go in. I'm talking about the things you know you're called to that have been confirmed by mentors, and yet there are some hurdles in the way. Okay? Forms of resistance can be not enough resources, ridicule or slander, fear, feeling insufficient, afflictions, these stupid things that have no business in our life. And when we experience them, it's tempting to run the other way and run away from resistance, and actually avoid it. What Dave said to me in his office that day was, Julia, every morning when I woke up, I looked at my to-do list, and what was that one thing that I felt resistance in? I did that first. You guys have heard that before. Do the hardest thing. And I've heard that before too, but when I heard it termed like this, as in, uh, uh, instead of just the hardest thing, but that thing that you actually feel resistance towards. Like, mm, I don't want to make that call. I don't, I don't want to talk to that person. What happens is our, our re response to resistance often becomes procrastination or avoidance. Then what happens is that we actually form a habit from our procrastination. Our body learns that every time we feel resistance, flee, and then it becomes a habit that when we feel resistance in an area, we flee. What I believe the Lord has here for us tonight is a supernatural release of the ability to delay gratification. Because if we experience that resistance, but have that God-given supernatural gift he's going to pour out tonight to delay that need for gratification, actually push through the resistance, maybe follow the resistance, maybe actually hit it head on and go that direction at the start of our day, do the thing that we want to procrastinate, hit it right off our list right from the beginning. That's what Dave said, the founder of a nutritious bar company that is taking over 
I, I'm, a, I'm a label freak. And when I saw these ingredients on this label, I was like, surely to God that's not going to taste good. But it tastes so good and it has perfect. I'm talking perfect ingredients. And if you know me, it's hard to be perfect <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> so this supernatural impartation to delay gratification, I really believe the Holy Spirit is saying that is what we need to get breakthrough in, our, in whatever he's calling you to. So my, I was actually talking this through with my mom yesterday, and she's so wise, and she said, that's great, Julia, but if, and honestly, I learned so much from what she said. She said, what is, where is that scripturally? Because she said, if you just go along in life accepting principles that you hear from the world, not saying that Dave was not a Christian at all. He was. He spent time with the Lord. But whatever that book was, I have no idea what the source is. If you go on in life just thinking that things, principles that you're hearing from the world and taking that as your grounding, that's natural. We have access to the supernatural because we can go to the world, to the word, and see that the world only copied what the word already said. Yes. So we're going to go to Nehemiah. We're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 6. You guys know the story that Nehemiah was called to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem to protect the people and to protect the reputation of the people. If you read that story during the time, Nehemiah and his clan experienced significant resistance. They experienced mockery. They experienced conspiracy claims. They experienced threats of physical attacks. And they actually, it also discusses in the word that they experienced their own laziness, procrastination. So they are given a mission from heaven, a vision, a dream, a business idea, a next step to rebuild this wall, and all of this resistance comes in. Let's see what they say. So all of these things are happening. Nehemiah 6 verse 9. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. What did they do here? They used resistance in their favor. They continued the work with even greater determination. They used what people were saying about them to their advantage. Then what happens is the wall is built. Jumping down to verse 16, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. What happens when you push through, whether it be in this little tiny thing he's calling you to tomorrow or the grand scheme of your life, what you feel that you are called to, what happens when you push through and pass resistance is that God is glorified. They realize this work had been done with the help of God. The little 
notes in my Bible, I have to read what they say, the commentary here. Listen to this carefully. Courage will manifest itself as sanctified tenacity in refusing to compromise on the conviction that one is doing God's will. Tenacity. Refusing to compromise on the conviction that you're doing God's will and pushing through with tenacity. And you know what? I take back that word pushing because I, I feel like in me that brings up this feeling like strive, 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 strive. <laughs> Labor to enter into the rest. Tenacity out of this place of whose you are and who your God is not out of the place of who you are and how talented you are. Tenacity is defined as the quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly. So I, when I read that definition, the Holy Spirit immediately said, grip onto my coattails. You prayed it in pre-service, not getting before and not falling behind. If you don't want to procrastinate, grip onto the coattails of the Father. Tenacity, the quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly. Grip on to those coattails. So now, resistance. I was like, God, this is great. But I don't like when things go slow. <laughs> I said, if resistance means delay, Mm. <laughs> I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person. When I want to get fit, I go too hard, I sprain my ankle, throw my back out because I'm like trying to keep up with the CrossFitter in the room. Yeah. It's really a bad <laughs> thing I need to get over. This, this stupidity, it comes over me where I'm like, this has to happen fast. Jesus knows us, though. <laughs> and even though I'm totally wrong to desire that kind of acceleration, he still cares about our acceleration. He's not going to leave us with delay. So listen to this. I said, God, if this resistance thing means delay, I don't know what I think about it. He said, he said clearly to me, when you embrace resistance, you will experience acceleration. And when you fight it, that's when you'll experience the delay. I said, Lord, give me a picture of this. I was tempted to go on Google at this point and try to Google some sort of physics thing, like acceleration resistance. The Lord said, no Google. <laughs> Get the picture from me. And I actually think that that's part of something I need to say too. No Google. In our generation, we Google everything. It's the glory of kings to search it out. We don't have to search nothing. We just... Where is it in the word? Google, tell me, where is the scriptures about resistance? Right? We don't have to Google, or we don't have to actually search out or hear the Father if we aren't intending to actually shut the Google off. The Google, shoot, I just sound like I was 80. <laughs> Step away from Google and ask, the ultimate search engine, the Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? Because where he'll lead you to is way, way better than where Google could ever take you. 
So the picture he showed me was of an airplane and a car. The car is obviously on the earth in 2018. The car is on the earth and the airplane is above it in the sky. And the Heavenly Father said to me, both have resistance against it. Which one has more resistance? Airplane. Which one goes faster? The airplane. The amount of resistance is greater, obviously, in the sky. If you were to jump out of an airplane, you'd shoot miles back. If you were to jump out of a car, you'd stumble out. The amount of resistance, however, the airplane will get you there faster than the car. So what is it that we have to foster in order for that principle to be active in our life? You've heard this before. Is your tank full? Fuel to gas in the car or gas in the airplane to fuel the engine that allows that principle to be at work. Fuel in you. Gas in your engine, which is what? The word. Which is what? Meditation, filling your heart with truth, which is what? Intimacy and worship, filling yourself up so that your tank is full and that fuels the engine inside of you to experience the acceleration of God despite resistance. Resistance, actually, if we learn to properly navigate this, and not just avoid it, not just procrastinate. We are called to do great and mighty works on the land. Not great and mighty works once we die and go to heaven. Great and mighty works here. So if we are called to that, we have to learn what it takes to push through to a miracle. Again, not out of striving, but out of this heart of whose you are and who your God is and how to get from A to miracle. They had to do that in the word in, again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think it's in all four. Five loaves and two fish. Maybe it's in three of them. Five loaves and two fish. What did they say to Jesus? Jesus, there's only a boy here with five loaves and two fish. Jesus, we would never have enough money to go and purchase food for all of these people. Jesus, there's 5,000 of them. Have you lost your mind? Jesus, there is no way. How, how, God, how do you expect us to do this? What are they bumping up against? Resistance in the form of lack of resources. What happens? Jesus says, bring the five loaves and two fish to me and starts acting out of faith and dividing that out amongst the people. And what happens? A miracle. He came and, and the scriptures and the gospels and acts are all for us to see that execution of pushing past the natural into the supernatural, pushing past resistance, lack of resources, afflictions. Push, every time he laid hands on people, pushing past affliction into that realm of miracles. So things that would cause you to run from resistance. Three things. 
Again, anytime I give a list, not inclusive, but what he wants to talk about tonight. The first thing we talked about last time is a fear of man. That would cause you to run from resistance if you're afraid of what people think about you. This is something that I've really walked through. Remember last time I told you, Pastor Alex told me to write with pen on my face <laughs> to get over this fear of rejection? We talked about last time acts of possible rejection. You remember that? The guy that like went asked the um, airplane lady if, she, if he could make an announcement over the loudspeaker and <laughs> asking a car salesman for a lesson in sales. All of these possible rejection um, opportunities. Jesus was perfect and he suffered bad press. And when people talk bad about us, we get all bent out of shape. And we're not perfect. We talked about all of that last time. So that's one of the things that would cause you to flee from this resistance thing. The next thing is comparison. Comparison. It's hard to hear him talking to you about you when you're constantly talking to him about who you wish you were. I have a bit of a funny story. I started spin classes, which, like, they wanted to give the criminals, like, an alternative form of punishment. It would be a spin class. <laughs> they are awful at first. So I started this spin class, and your bike is attached to the big jumbotron with all your numbers up front. Great for a personality like me. Okay, so I'm in this class three times. I'm the second last person in the class. Okay, I'm on my bike. And I'm like looking around like, there's no way you're fitter than me. Like, I'm looking to my left, I'm like, you're, you're like 65. How am I losing? I'm second from the bottom, three classes in a row. Okay, it's measured in watts, which is your power that you're putting out in the bike. Okay, so I decide, I'm, I, I'm going to keep spinning, but every time they do a competition, I checked myself right out. I didn't have a chance, so I took myself out of the game. They would do these competitions like blue team, red team, and I'd be like, sorry guys, I don't know. I got my tension up, I don't know what's up, I just, I just am not great at this sport. And I took myself out of the game, I wouldn't really try, I would work hard, but I wouldn't really try to win. Then we had a class where the girl came in and she actually switched a setting on the computer and it turned to watts per kilogram. All of a sudden, I was second in the class. After the dude in the spandex with the wrist guards and the biking shoes, and I was like, oh, if they're heavier than me, they can push out more power than I can. No wonder I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> that class, I worked my tail off for the team because I thought I had a chance. And I could see that I was actually doing something. What happens if we're not careful is that we take ourselves out of the game because we're comparing ourselves and we don't realize that we're not comparing ourselves on the right scale. I'm comparing myself to someone I should not be comparing myself to in that class. And I took myself out 
with that comparison. Then all of a sudden, when I thought I was better than everybody, I could do it. We can't afford to wait until we think we're better than other people to go after our destiny. You have to quit this comparison game. Get yourself on the only scale that you need to care about is what God thinks about you and what he's calling you to right now. Kill that quit mentality. Kill that comparison mentality. It's there to steal from you. And that comparison will cause you to run away from things that come into your life as resistance. That comparison will be one thing that we need to nip in the bud or else that will get you. Fear of man comparison. The third one is fear of the wilderness. This one I actually heard on the weekend at the conference I was at, and I was like, oh, I, I don't like that. I don't like the wilderness. I'm extroverted, so being alone is like the worst. I wander around the house, look first wherever there's people, I sit. (laughs) So the wilderness, I don't like to be alone. The speaker on the weekend said the one benefit of the wilderness is that distractions are removed there so God can actually speak. When God is calling you away for a season, he's calling you away to download things to you. If he's ever called you away from your friend group, maybe, from a lifestyle, maybe, and you may feel this sense of loneliness or a shift, you know, change is hard sometimes. If you feel like you're in the wilderness, which resistance can make us feel like that, stop and think to yourselves, wait a minute, I got no distractions around me, nothing but sand. I can just hear the voice of the Lord with no distractions and plug into the heart of the Father because he wants to speak to you in those times. Distractions removed so that God can speak. What a positive way at looking at the wilderness. (laughs) Okay, strategies two embrace resistance we just went through what we gotta kick now strategies to embrace it intimacy is number one we talked about that already tonight intimacy with him is the foundation of it all because he will talk to you 24 7 this way that way left right do you remember this do you remember that when we're resisting things sometimes he'll set reminders for us in our head He doesn't need the reminder app. For example, one thing happened to me this week. I have known for six months that I need a rhema um, about something. When I was young, I played basketball for like 10 years. And I was good, but I was always short, and I never felt like I was really that good. I was always afraid to shoot because that would mean that I would actually be on the stage and people could see me miss. Mm -hmm. And the Lord has identified that lie and how it has stolen from me. And I have known I needed a rhema on it for, I'm gonna say six months. I haven't done anything about it. Procrastination, because I didn't wanna go back there. It was a hard, very, it was a good season. I obviously learned a lot from that season, but there there were some tough things some tough things spoken over me, obviously by intense coaches that mean well, but a lot spoken over me. 
and I was resisting going back. Karen gave me a card in school one day, randomly, and, yeah, it's right here. She did a watercolor, and she gave me this card, just randomly, for no reason. It wasn't my birthday or anything. She said, as I was praying for you, I saw a picture of you on a basketball court, shooting three-pointers and handling the ball with ease up and down the court. There was so much joy as you looked at Jesus coaching you from the side. He said that the objective is clear and you are getting everything where it needs to be with ease. So what happened was I didn't, I, I, she gave it to me and we were about to start class. I tucked it in my Bible and this weekend I saw it and I was like, oh, I forgot to read this. Mm-hmm. Those things that you may feel resistance towards doing, he's hinting and reminding you that you need to deal with them. So accountability, rhema people. I need to get in. <laughs> Second thing. <laughs> Book me an appointment <laughs> right now before I flee. <laughs> Second thing to embracing resistance is that more is caught than taught. Why do you think Jesus went around doing good when he could have healed people from his bedroom? Because the disciples needed to see faith in action. They needed to see and witness miracles. Why? Because more is caught than taught. When we were young, we were homeschooled, and my mom tried to incorporate as much experiential learning as possible, which sometimes we didn't enjoy, but other times it was very beneficial. <laughs> One such lesson was taking us regularly to the ski hill, where I'm pretty sure without fail, we'd stop halfway through, cry, and ask her to carry us to the bottom. Because <laughs> our legs hurt, we were too tired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was five. But when she would say, come on, we're almost there. Come on, you're almost at the bottom. Look, it's downhill. Just glide. Don't fight it, just glide. Come on, I'm right here. We'd get to the bottom, and what would happen? She would obviously cheer and freak out, and yay, you did it. She let me experience the feeling of reward from pushing through and enduring. And that has been one of the things that I have remembered throughout the years. Wait a minute, I know how to enter. Because I caught it. She could have sat there in our little schoolroom and taught us about the principle of endurance. But until you get out there and actually feel that resistance halfway down the hill, Mom, I want to quit. This hurts. It's too cold. My eyelashes are frozen. <laughs> Until you get out there and, and you actually are able to catch that principle rather than just head knowledge, you know? So as somebody earnestly after the things of God, you must position yourself to catch things. Being under leadership here is positioning yourself to catch things. 
I think you would probably say that your leaders under you have learned more watching you lead than you teaching them at advanced meetings how to lead. Right? Position yourself. If you want a business to succeed, position yourself of, under somebody that's already there. Why? Because you're going to catch what they've already had breakthrough in. You're going to catch the principles rather than sitting through business seminars and success books and trying to gain head knowledge. Yeah, those things are great, but position yourself as a person earnestly after the heart of God and earnestly after the things that you're called to. Position yourself to catch things. Number three, embrace the grace. <laughs> I like this one. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in the weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles. For when I am weak, then he is strong. My grace is all you need. What do all those things sound like? Insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles, weaknesses. It's resistance. But if we learn to embrace the fact that when we are weak, he is strong, and we embrace that grace, then when we are weak, then I am strong. According to the power that's at work within me. Four, accountability. Very simple. One can put 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000. Number five, remind yourself of the truth. So that's rhema meditation, fervent prayer, and reading the word. We hear so many incredible, power-packed teachings about reminding yourself of the truth. So five strategies to embrace resistance. Intimacy, number one, position yourself to catch things rather than just be taught things. Embrace the grace. Accountability. When you tell someone you're going to do it, there's more chance that you will do it. So if you're procrastinating something, tell someone and have them hold you accountable to get it done. Good. And number five, remind yourself of the truth. I'm going to close with a couple things here. Number one, I want to read to you something Lisa Brevere posted on her Instagram page. Listen to this story. She says on her post, I'm a bit shaken. As John and I returned from walking the beach in Rio, a young man tore my necklace from my neck. Here's the strange thing. I had a presentiment that this would happen. So when I felt his fingers at my chain, I lifted my hand and caught the stone firmly in my hand. The thief ran away grasping a broken chain. I turned and watched as he rounded the corner. So here's what I have learned from my adrenaline-charged moment. Number one, listen to those warnings. I should have removed my necklace and left it in a safe place. Believe me, I will be more attentive to the Holy Spirit next time. Number two, rather than attack my attacker, I caught the jewel. The stone is only crystal, but it means a lot to me. It has been my touch point for my next book called Adamant. I don't know what the enemy is trying to steal from you. But rather than fight over a chain, catch the pearl, the jewel, and the treasure behind the conflict. Catch that jewel behind the conflict. It sounds like she's using resistance in her favor. She learned that 
It's not worth fighting one thing when you can draw your attention towards that inner peace that comes from knowing that you are on track with Jesus and that you have valued the things that are valuable to him, the things that he's called you to. Dave in that room, the bar guy, also said to me, Julia, if you love Caleb, you will push him into the headwind. A headwind is a wind blowing from directly in front of you, causing resistance to motion. That's the definition. He said, if you love Caleb, you'll push him into the headwind. I thought, mm, he's not going to like that. But it makes total sense. Because right out there, where he is, ha you know, he has a choice in the headwind once I push him out there to freak out and resist the wind or to set up a sail and use it to his advantage. And right in that path of resistance of things that you were tempted to procrastinate when God has called us to do it, that's right the position, that is the position that you need to be in and keep pursuing forward. Like I said, once it's been confirmed by mentorship, confirmed in prayer, and you know this is where you're going, don't let that stupid stuff come and try to slow you up. Remember the plane. Remember the fact that even though there's resistance, there's greater acceleration because the tank is full and you are an engine that is ready and able and full of truth headed towards your destiny. And it doesn't matter if somebody comes, if your mentor comes, if your loved one comes and pushes you into the headwind because that's exactly what you want. That's exactly where you want to be. Rather than fight it and get all disoriented, set up sail and you Use that. Use the wind to your advantage. And that resistance, what could have been resistance, what could have come to steal, will not be able to steal because you are with the wind. That song, I'm going to catch the wind. I'm going to catch the wind. You are called to steward over the things that God has placed inside of you. Stewardship. 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 If we procrastinate, if Jesus were to stand in front of me tomorrow and, and say to me, Julia, I want you to do this. And I said, I will tomorrow, Lord. I will next week, Lord. Would we ever do that? No, but we do that every day in our life. He's called us to things. And I say, tomorrow. Or I do the easy things on my checklist first and all the time the tough thing that I'm constantly avoiding gets pushed and pushed and pushed. But if Jesus were to stand in front of you tonight and say, hey, I called you to this. I called you to this. I'd like you to steward over it, please. Then we would know without a shadow of a doubt, I think all of us in here could say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm on it, God. I'm on it, God. I'm on it, God. Benny Johnson says we are the womb of the Father. The womb of the Father. And out of that, out of us, he births the dreams. Procrastination. Sometimes we're tempted to say that it's a lack of peace. Like I talked about, I'm not going to do that because I'm just not feeling peace about it. Get that straight. Peace versus procrastination. Because we can't afford to procrastinate the things that are a yes. The things that are confirmed. Jesus, I'm closing with this. Jesus showed us 
by going to the cross. And on the road to the cross, he showed us what it looked like to embrace resistance. They beat him. They spit at him. They called him names. They talked horrible about him. They put thorns in his head, which I'm sure he was human, messed up his ability to think. They shoved stuff in his sides. They put a heavy cross on him and had him carry it along the land in the dirt. He experienced resistance, and what did he do? He endured. He embraced it because why? He knew what was before him eternal life for us keeping before you the picture he knew he was called as god's own son to die on that cross so that we the eternal eternal life that we have in him and that acceleration that happened on that day where we have access to the throne of grace and we can approach the Father with freedom and confidence because of what he accomplished and because of that picture, because he had that ability to embrace the pathway, embrace the resistance, he knew where he was going and with that he got the victory and he got the breakthrough and he desires that exact same pathway for us. He doesn't cause resistance to happen. I know you all know that, but just in case you were wondering, he does not cause resistance to happen. He did not cause resistance to happen to him when Satan came and tried to say, don't do this. He didn't cause that to happen. He didn't cause any of it to happen. He doesn't cause it to happen to you. But when it does, use it to your advantage. Use it to your advantage. I'm going to close with one testimony I feel that the Holy Spirit is bringing up because if you are experiencing resistance in finances and you can ask our mentors, you can ask Pastor Jess, like a month ago, Caleb, or two days before Christmas, Caleb totaled his truck. And that was not the financial thing we needed at the time. <laughs> Mark my words, today... The insurance company paid us $5,000 more than the truck was worth. We just got $5,000 from an accident. Those things, and, and that was a hard day for Caleb and I. We felt like it was that stupid cherry on top of a lot of resistance that was happening at that time. And Caleb, I can't say I did, Caleb <laughs> decided in that moment to push through and push through resistance and say, I don't know why this happened, and it feels like the financial, bleh, instead of the financial thumbs up, but I'm telling you, I, got, I had tears in my eyes today as I looked down on our counter, and there's a check in his name for an accident that he was in when he slid on ice. That is the Father. That is the Father. He uses everything for our good everything Lord we just thank you God we thank you Father for your love 
God, we thank you for meeting us where we're at, God. We thank you, Father, for shining light in areas where we need a little breakthrough. Father, we stand with arms open wide, God. Arms open wide to receive the things that you have to say. I'll just invite you to close your eyes and reach your hands up to heaven.